loving surrender and social engagement Christian Godia interfaith meeting in Chennai on December 17th 2019 get something as, as James Paper did an uh, excellent job looking at this topic from a Catholic perspective. <coughs> so now we go to a, a Gordia Vaishyam perspective. Sorry? Oh, yeah. You're going to be using this? Yes. PowerPoint, okay. Yes, I am. You probably just turn your chair, Joseph. So I, I debated whether or not I wanted to read the paper. And my general tendency is not to read papers. So I, although I am going to be reading many of the words in the paper and I'm going to be going in order, I am going to be skipping most of the Sanskrit. So the Sanskrit is in the paper, but in most cases, not all, but in most cases I will not actually read the Sanskrit and uh, I'm, I'm not going to read every word. So I feel if you if you want to you know you have the paper as ongoing reference, but I will be following it very closely. So and I'm just also thinking how different my my presentation is from yours. I'm really coming at it from quite a different angle. And I think I'm going to also stand. Is that all right if I stand? Is that okay? You're comfortable either way. All right. Very good. <laughs> the concept of surrendering ourselves to Krishna is at the heart of what it means to be Krishna conscious. Yet the word may conjure concepts of painful subjugation, perhaps as the regretful end of a war to the losing side. Conversely, if we do indeed feel joy upon Krishna's call for our surrender in terms of accepting his love, we may define such surrender as a withdrawal from social engagement. Surrender may seem to imply a cloistered or a monastic life. As we examine the real meaning of surrender, we will find the concept to be dynamic and reciprocal rather than anything narrow or stereotyped. Of course, we turn to the Bhagavad Gita, the end with Krishna's call to surrender, So for 27 years I taught uh, schools for children, and when they, they, we would sing this, right? And then they'd sing the translation. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reaction. Do not, do not, do not fear. And Krishna's asking Arjuna to engage with the world in that mood of surrender. In fact, proper social engagement can only be done with surrender, as also explained in this verse of the Bhagavad Gita 7.14. Because it's only in that mood of surrender that the veil of ignorance and illusion is lifted. The Prabhupada's translation of this verse is the divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material nature is very difficult to overcome. But those who have surrendered unto me 
can easily cross beyond it. Now, what is this illusion? What is this maya that is removed by surrender? That illusion is an egoistic covering of the self, such as one thinks oneself to be the center of reality. Social engagement without surrender and the Lord's consequent lifting of illusion is based on the false premises of the identity of the self and others. Basing engagement with others on a false platform likely renders all interaction problematic, possibly ineffective, and perhaps even harmful. Therefore, the message of the Bhagavad Gita is to engage in the world with a mood of surrender. Interaction in the light of truth allows us to have real meaning and value in our actions. So the way I've organized this paper is the six symptoms of surrender. Now I'm using the word symptoms. And it's debatable whether these cause surrender, whether they are the effects of surrender, whether they are simply an analysis of the act of surrender. And is the act of surrender a one-time event, an ongoing event, is it both? And I'm not going to attempt to answer those questions. Today, we can certainly discuss them after my presentation. But we are going to look at surrender in six parts. And then two of the 64 angas or limbs of bhakti, Atmanivedanam and Saranapati, each of which epitomize some of the six symptoms. I'm going to be suggesting that Atmanivedanam encompasses four of them and Saranapati encompasses two of them. So first, the six symptoms of surrender or six aspects of surrender or again, it could be even six results of surrender. So here in the paper, I'm referencing a Sanskrit verse from the Haribhakti Vilas, which is quoting the Lakshmi Tantra and Arubhutnya Samhita, which lists these six aspects of surrender. And for the purpose of this presentation, we're going to use the following translation. Number one, and we get a little laser pointer here. So number one is accepting everything favorable to serving the Lord. Two, give up everything that is unfavorable to serving the Lord. Three, have a firm conviction that only Krishna can protect oneself. Four, accepting Krishna as one's maintainer. Five, always be conscious that one is not independent in fulfilling desires. Six, always humbly think of oneself as most fallen so that Krishna will take care. We're just going to note uh, some other possible translations. An alternate translation for number four, Srila Prabhupada mentions in a lecture on the Sri Ishapanishad. He says, this is to become a member of a spiritual family or to introduce oneself with the associates of the Lord. Just like Krishna has so many associates, you can that will, of course, not artificially, when you are advanced, you'll understand what is your relationship with Krishna, then you introduce yourself with that association. An alternate translation for five is to dedicate one's life for his service. 
So, looking at the first aspect, which is accept everything favorable to serving the Lord. Now, in one sense, this part of surrender would mean taking up any or all of the 64 angas of bhakti. Now, Rupa Goswami describes that the most important limbs of bhakti all relate to a spiritual master. These are accepting the shelter of a bona fide spiritual master, taking initiation from him, and serving him with respect and reverence. And this concept is certainly not unique to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Surrender to the Lord in most religious traditions involves accepting a preceptor, prophet, guide, mentor, leader, right? We had the list from our last meeting. And often includes some sort of ceremony of dedication, both to that path and to the specific guide. And among uh, we in Islam, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we call this diksha, taking initiation, where we receive specific mantras for meditation, and we connect with that specific guru and the guru's lineage. And Krishna explains this in Bhagavad Gita 4.34, where he says, just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. The self-realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because they have seen the truth. Now, in addition to these three most important things that one should accept, a surrendered person follows as many of the limbs of bhakti as he or she is able to do. And Rupa Goswami specifically mentions five of them as very powerful. Residing in a holy place, specifically Mantura, worshipping the deity of the Lord, reciting Srimad Bhagavatam, serving a devotee, and chanting the Hare Krishna mantra. Each of them are so potent that a small attachment for them can arouse devotional ecstasy even in a neophyte. Now, some degree of social engagement is inherent, or at least implied, with many of the positive angas of bhakti. For example, if you live in a holy place, you'll be serving the residents there, you may be serving the place itself, its geographical features, its rivers and mountains, its physical features, such as temples. When you're reciting scriptures, such as Srimad Bhagavatam, that it's advised and highly recommended that this is done in association with others. As Krishna says, and much to tell Magita Pranam, the thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me, their lives are fully devoted to my service, and they derive great satisfaction and bliss from always enlightening one another and conversing about me. And chanting the Hare Krishna mantra can be done as personal meditation, but also uh, musically in a group, and again, involving others. In a broad sense, accepting what is favorable to serving the Lord brings the possibility of a wide range of social engagement. And for this, I would like to turn directly to the paper, because it's a bit of a long section. So this is on page 4, the bottom of page 4. And if you can... Uh, read this, or just follow as I'm going to read this from page 4. All the sages and devotees of the Lord have recommended that the subject matter of art, science, philosophy, physics, chemistry, psychology, and all other branches of knowledge should be wholly and solely applied in the service of the Lord. Art, literature, poetry, painting, etc. may be used in glorifying the Lord. 
The fiction writers, poets, and celebrated literateurs are generally engaged in writing of sensuous subjects, but if they turn toward the service of the Lord, they can describe the transcendental pastimes of the Lord. Valmiki was a great poet, and similarly Vyasadeva was a great writer, and both of them have absolutely engaged themselves in delineating the transcendental activities of the Lord, and by doing so have become immortal. Similarly, science and philosophy also should be applied in the service of the Lord. There is no use presenting dry speculative theories for sense gratification. Philosophy and science should be engaged to establish the glory of the Lord. Advanced people are eager to understand the absolute truth through the medium of science, and therefore a great scientist should endeavor to prove the existence of the Lord on a scientific basis. Similarly, philosophical speculations should be utilized to establish the supreme truth as sentient and all-powerful. Similarly, all other branches of knowledge should always be engaged in the service of the Lord. In the Bhagavad Gita, also the same is affirmed. All, quote, knowledge not engaged in the service of the Lord is but nescience. Real utilization of advanced knowledge is to establish the glories of the Lord, and that is the real import. Scientific knowledge engaged in the service of the Lord, and all similar activities are factually harikirtan, or glorification of the Lord. And then Srila Prabhupada writes in the Ishapanishad, which you were quoting the Ishapanishad earlier, that there is no harm in becoming a family man or an altruist, a socialist, a communist, a nationalist, or humanitarian, provided that one executes his activities in relation with Ishtivasya, the God-centered conception. So that once one is dedicating everything to the Lord oneself, one goes from that for full social engagement in the arts, the sciences, and knowledge, and in socially helping in the society. Turning to the second area of surrender, giving up everything that is unfavorable to the Lord. So the main things in the Bhagavad Gita that Krishna asks us to give up are lust, anger, and greed. Kama Krodas Patal Lobas. says every sane man should give these up because they lead to the degradation of the soul. These three mentalities and desires are directly opposed to surrender as well as to beneficial social engagement. It's not that a surrendered person represses these inclinations, but rather neither indulges them nor represses them. Surrender means a position of neutral observer towards lust, anger, and greed. Letting go of lust, anger, and greed naturally involves disinterest in activities that are rooted in these psychological states. And in this regard, Srila Prabhupada specifically has initiates bound to give up intoxication. I like that one very much. I thought it was a very clever picture. <laughs> Illicit sex. Gambling, poor guy's gambling away his car. And eating of meat, fish, or eggs. So all those activities are products of those negative psychological states, and they also cause an increase in them. So lust, anger, and greed cause these activities, and these activities increase lust, anger, and greed. And a surrendered person would also give up all kinds of deceit, lying, and cheating. Clearly, a person free from vice, both in behavior and motivation, can engage socially in the world, trying to help others in an atmosphere of affection and trust. 
The third aspect of surrender is to have a firm conviction that only Krishna can protect oneself. And this aspect of surrender brings on a state of fearlessness and acceptance of everything in life as part of the Lord's plan for our protection. It is this mood that enables persons advanced in spiritual consciousness to take up service in dangerous or difficult situations. Worldly life is full of various causes for fear at every moment. But one who feels the Lord a protector can minister to others in the most difficult situations without being personally affected. Now, for this and the next uh, three areas of surrender, we're going to be referring to songs written by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, one of the great Acharyas in our line. He was the father of the spiritual master of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And he wrote many songs on all of these six areas of surrender. So we're going to look at one of his songs for this one and each of the next. And he's writing this particular song here that I picked about Krishna's cows. He says, Surrendering my soul unto you has lifted from me the burden of false pride. No longer will I try to provide for my own safety. I know that you will give protection to your treasured possessions, O Lord. I now understand the mentality of your treasured cows safely maintained by your side. When you lead your herds to pasture, O Madhava, on the banks of the Yamuna River, you will call to them by softly playing on your flute, fearless and confident of your protection. I will drink the water of the Yamuna. The Kaliya serpent's venom poisoned the Yamuna's waters, yet that poison will be vanquished. You will purify the Yamuna, and by such heroic deeds enhance our faith. Bhaktivinoda is now the property of Gokula, your holy abode. O Keshava, kindly protect him with gentle, loving care. The next area of surrender is to always accept Krishna as one's maintainer. We often think that we are maintaining ourselves and our loved ones with our occupation, but even a brief time of careful thought will reveal that everyone is fully dependent on God for life. Regardless of how hard we work, how skilled, knowledgeable, or how clever we are, who our friends and family are, there are so many circumstances in nature and in human society that can bring us prosperity or ruin, independent of ourselves. This aspect of surrender, therefore, is both a simple act and an ongoing, deepening acceptance of fact. Such an acknowledgement allows us to work for our livelihood in the mood of service to the Lord, rather than independently. This mood also promotes social engagement based not on a desire to get aid or maintenance from anyone, but also to do good for them. It thus removes all exploitation and selfishness from our interpersonal dealings. Seeing Krishna as our maintainer can also be understood as deeply meaningful for those who have realized their eternal spiritual nature. Such persons no longer identify with the temporary body and mind as the self that needs to be maintained. 
Rather, their identity is firmly rooted in the awareness that they are fully part of Krishna as a spiritual entity whose very self he constantly supplies with abundance. So this is a little just, 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 anyway. Contrast it with the idea that God is sending the supplies to maintain my body and my mind and I am a spiritual being who's connected with the Lord and my very existence is coming from His energy and His supply. Looking at Bhaktivinoda's song for this part of surrender, within my mind I have always been anxious for the maintenance of my wife and children, my own body and relatives. How will I earn money? How will I acquire fame? How will I arrange the marriages of my sons and daughters? Now, through self-surrender, I have been relieved of all anxiety. Oh Lord, surely you will provide for the maintenance of your own household. Recognizing me as your own servant, you will certainly maintain me. While rendering devotional service unto you, I feel the greatest happiness. The next one. To always be conscious that one is not independent in fulfilling desires. Prabhupada writes, one should always remember that one's activities and desires are not independent. In other words, the devotee should feel completely dependent on Krishna, and thus he should act and think as Krishna desires. So this, of course, reminds me of Thy will be done. That, that let, let your will be done through me. Prabhupada also writes, a devotee is always conscious that he is not independent in fulfilling his desires, unless Krishna fulfills them, they cannot be fulfilled. So you see, kind of two aspects. One is that I am the vehicle through which the Lord is fulfilling his desires. And another aspect is that whatever I desire, I am always dependent on the Lord for the fulfillment. Here Bhaktivinoda's song, the soul inhabiting this mortal body has given up the false ego attached to the word I. For today, the spiritual sense of being yours has entered his heart. All my possessions, body, home, servants, brothers, friends, wife, sons, personal belonging, fencing and gateways. So I have a picture of a gate. Mm -hmm. I always wondered why he had gateways in this list. All these things are now yours, for I have become your servant. I am but a mere occupant in your house. You are the owner of the house, and I am your most obedient servant. My only activity now is endeavoring for your happiness. My will has become merged with your will. From this day forward, Bhaktivinoda has completely forgotten himself. I have become supremely happy by surrendering myself at your lotus feet. Sorrow has gone far away and there are no more cares. All I see is joy in the four directions. Social engagement in this aspect of surrender means acting as the Lord's instrument instead of on one's own volition which Krishna nicely explains in Bhagavad Gita 11.33, where he tells Arjuna to win glory in the battle, and he says, uh, this fight is already arranged, who is going to live, who is going to die, you are simply going to act as my instrument. 
Going on to the last aspect of surrender, always humbly thinking of oneself as most fallen so that Krishna will take care. Srila Prabhupada defines humility as one should not be anxious to have the satisfaction of being honored by others. The material conception of life makes us very eager to receive honor from others, but from the point of view of a man in perfect knowledge who knows that he is not this body, anything honor or dishonor pertaining to this body is useless. Humility is the sense of the truth, that we're insignificant, we're fallen. We need unconditional mercy, so nicely explained in the last paper. We need that mercy and grace and our awareness of our total dependence upon Krishna. Bhaktivinoda's song for this aspect of surrender. Now please hear me, O Lord. I am utterly helpless. Without your mercy, everything is lost. Please give me the shelter of your lotus feet. I drank the deadly poison of worldliness, pretending it was nectar. And now the sun is setting on the horizon of my life. Were you to judge me now, you would find no good qualities. Have mercy and judge me not. Cause me to drink the honey of your lotus feet. The humility of surrender is part of the devotee of the Lord having the willingness to do the most menial service in the world and to engage socially in the total mood of a giver without expectation of return on any level. Now we're going to look at the two angas of bhakti, each of which involve some of these aspects of surrender. This is Atma Nivedanam and Sharana Pati. So first looking at Atma Nivedanam. This means to make oneself the possession of the Lord, for him to do with as he pleases. This word Atma can refer to the body, the mind and the soul, which is our actual self. So each of these we give to the Lord for him to do with as he likes. So first looking at the body. So here Jiva Goswami says that therefore a person in this mood of Atmani Vedanam in the body, he no longer looks for activities for pleasure for his body in this life or the next. Then the Lord thinks, I desire to make him special. The devotee then obtains freedom from death and attains similarity to Krishna. That means he gets an eternal form and powers like those of the Lord. Rupa Goswami writes, Offering the Lord oneself in terms of the body is like you don't worry about the maintenance of an animal that you have sold to someone else. Right? You have a cow, you sell it, the new owner takes care of that cow's maintenance. Uh, perhaps we don't sell animals so many times, but maybe if it's an object, you know, you sell a car or a piece of furniture or something or a house, and the, the new owner is responsible. 
So Krishna, we sold our body to Krishna, however he takes care of it, that's his problem. It's his business. Huh? And Krishna has such a nice explanation of this in the Bhagavad Gita. In 2.45 he says, Near Yoga Kshema Ajbhavanu. Give up all anxieties for gain and safety. Be established in the self. So who's going to take care of my gain and safety? Huh? So that we look at 9.22. Yoga Kshema Vanyaham. I will take care of this Yoga Kshema. I will take care of whatever you need, whatever you already have, protecting it, whatever you may need in the future. Uh, what about giving the mind? So Krishna takes charge of our life in, in terms of giving us whatever direction we need for our spiritual advancement. He says, to those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give them the understanding by which they may come to me. To show them special mercy, I dwelling in their hearts destroy with the shining lamp of knowledge the darkness born of ignorance. So when I surrender my mind to the Lord, He's the one who then fills my mind with the knowledge and understanding that I need. This is a photograph of Bhaktivinoda, where he writes, My mind, my household affairs, my body, whatever is in my possession, my dear Lord, I offer to you for your service. Now you may do with them as you like. You are the supreme possessor of everything, so if you like, you can kill me. If you like, you can give me protection. All authority belongs to you. I have nothing to claim as my own. And now, perhaps the most difficult Agni Vedanam is of the soul. Which Rupa Goswami explains in Bhakti Vasamrita Sita, Bhakti Vasamrita Sindhu 1-196. He quotes Dhrunacharya saying, I may be living within some body as a human being, as a demigod, whatever mode of life, I don't mind because these bodies are simply byproducts of the three modes of material nature. And I, who am in possession of these bodies, am surrendering myself to you. In other words, surrender the soul means the devotee is willing to reincarnate in any species, to be put anywhere, whatever purpose of service the Lord desires. So this is, is extraordinary. This kind of surrender, because generally most people who take up religion, they want some kind of salvation. They want to go to heaven, they want to go to the kingdom of God. But here the devotee is saying, well, you can send me anywhere. You can give me any birth. You can put me in any situation for service. My I belong to you. My body belongs to you. My mind belongs to you. And I, the soul, also belong to you. Uh, so, what is the social engagement here? Someone who practices this Anga of Bhakti allows and accepts that the Lord will use his body, his mind, and his very self to interact with others as the Lord desires. Now, this practice is called rare by Rupa Goswami because it's very difficult. One lets go of even the slightest sense of being an independent doer. However, although this is a very rare and difficult process, it's available to both practicing devotees and perfected devotees. It's rare because it's difficult. It's not rare because it demands a high level of spiritual advancement. So even a beginner on the path can say, yes, I'm an 
My body, my mind, my very self is yours. In my own analysis, I see that Atmanivedanam encompasses four of the aspects of surrender, that of accepting what's favorable, rejecting what's unfavorable, acting only as the Lord desires, and humility. The next Anga of Bhakti, Sharyakuti, which is accepting the Lord as one's protector and maintainer, thus encompasses the other two aspects of the six aspects of surrender. And Srila Prabhupada explains this as follows. When I say the Lord is my protector and maintainer, it's not like I work at a job and I say, okay, you're paying me 25,000 rupees a month. It's not accepting the Lord as one's protector and maintainer like that. Or, you know, I have an alarm system. In South Africa, they have this armed response alarm system everywhere. It's not like I push the button and where are my armed guards? They didn't show up on time. No, Prabhupada explains that this means not that we demand something from the Lord, but that we completely depend on His mercy. If Krishna likes, He may keep His devotee in a poverty-stricken condition, or if He likes, He may keep us in an opulent position. The devotee should not be concerned in either case. He should simply be very serious about trying to satisfy the Lord by rendering him service. Rupa Goswami says, This is one who says, I am yours, feeling the protection of the Lord and thus feeling bliss. And one acts in this way with his body, mind, and words. We see a little different here. Atmanivedanam is body, mind, and soul. This Sharanapati is body, mind, and words. One acts in the world with others in social engagement, in behavior, in speech, and in thought, as I know that the Lord is my protector and maintainer. So this is demonstrated in a kind of freedom in social engagements, as explained in the Bhagavad Gita. That a self-realized man has no purpose to fulfill in the discharge of his prescribed duties, nor is he any reason not to perform such work, nor is he any reason to depend on any other living being. So in this mood of Sharanapati, I'm doing social engagement not because I want something from someone and not because I think that I'm a doer. I know the Lord is protecting me, the Lord is maintaining me, I'm simply acting to please Him. So what is the relationship between Atmanivedanam and Sharanapati? So a devotee may engage in both of these angas of bhakti, thus encompassing all six aspects of surrender, but some devotees may take up only one. And for example, while Rupa Goswami describes Atmanivedanam as very rare and very difficult, many people will find Sharanapati a very comforting and desired way to live. Yes, I'm living with full freedom that Krishna is my protector and maintainer. Conversely, at very advanced levels of spiritual realization, some devotees have a mood that they're caring for the Lord. Such devotees include those who act as his parents and teachers in his various incarnations. So Sharanapati would be at odds with their own ecstatic loving mood. They cannot see the Lord as their protector and maintainer because they see, I am protecting and maintaining the Lord. But such persons could take out Atmanivedanam. 
Of course, from an ontological perspective, even such persons who apparently act as a mother or father to the Lord are, of course, being maintained and protected by the Lord. So in conclusion, while words such as surrender and submission seem to apply a kind of military or forced subjugation, and there's a consequent painful suppression of my own interests, the spiritual reality is entirely opposite, and any thoughtful person can quickly ascertain that all creation is fully dependent on the Lord in all respects and at all times. Surrender is therefore an embracing of that truth, and when we understand ourselves and others in truth, our actions bring us the happiness, meaning, and satisfaction that we all desire. So just like before, we'll open up to the floor for questions from or comments or clarifications, and we can go to our 1 o'clock, we have about 45 minutes. And uh, we lost our microphone. You want to do maybe from inside? So um, thank you, uh, first of all, for that very clear and uh, well-spoken presentation. I particularly liked the quotations from Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, which exemplified that surrender in different rooms. Uh, I, I guess my question um, to my Vaishnava colleagues around the table is um, relating to this concept of self-surrender and leaving everything up to the Lord as one would not worry about an animal that has been sold to someone else. Or as uh, Jagan Nivas had said earlier, uh, that uh, the Lord is present within every being uh, as the Antaryami, the inner controller. Why is it that this recognition, uh, either formulation, do 